So today we are starting a new series, and um, Johnny and Riken and I sort of brainstormed this series, um, gosh, I don't even know when, several months ago, probably last year, late last year. Um, and it's, it's sort of been percolating, and, and I really felt like now was the time to do this uh, series. And um, we really felt like it was important for the youth to be a part of that as well. Um, and so the youth is going to be here for this series, and Johnny will take a week um, and teach part of the series as well as Riken. And so uh, I'm going to kick off the series today, <clears throat> and the series is, is entitled First World Problems. And the purpose of our series is not to sort of um, make fun and trivialize the problems that we that we in our privileged society face today, kind of like all these memes do, right? That's not the purpose, although I'm sure we're going to do that because we can be pretty ridiculous with some of the things that we complain about, right? The purpose of this series is going to be threefold, okay? The purpose of this series is to sort of open our eyes to how truly blessed we really are, right? And to help us see that regardless of what we have, we can actually be content, right? It's possible to be content with no matter what you have and to help us realize that God has blessed us for a reason, okay? So that's the purpose of why we're talking about this. And I have to admit, I even hesitated calling this series First World Problems because even though that phrase has been around for a couple of decades, there are some people who um, find the phrase offensive, which we'll get into that in, in a few minutes. But the phrase can also be productive, right, to help us. It can be productive uh, to help us see, you know, how ridiculous we can be sometimes. Uh, and so I decided to go ahead and use um, that title um, and then just take some time to address how some people might be offended so that we ourselves aren't offensive, right? And um, I realize that some of you have a, a leaning towards... Um, you, you know, you're like totally unapologetic for being offensive as a Christian. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but honestly, as Christians, there's only one thing that we shouldn't be unapolo- that we should be unapologetic for, and that's the gospel of Christ. As far as being offensive goes, see, if we're just being offensive for the sake of being offensive, that's not loving people, right? Um, we need to love people so that we can share the good news of Jesus Christ. But scripture does tell us that the gospel, as good of news as that is, the gospel of Christ can be a stumbling block of offense for some people. And for that, we will be unapologetic for, right? Um, And that should be the only thing that we are offensive about, all right? So I want to begin by addressing the problem with first world problems. Okay, And then eventually we're going to arrive at a, a working definition. Because if we were to ask several people to define first world problems, we'd get several different answers. Um, so we're going to have a working definition for the purpose of this series. So for starters, <clears throat> the first problem, the phrase first world problems is an anachronism. An anachronism since we no longer talk about the third world. And anachronism is a term that uh, really doesn't apply anymore, right? 
Um, see, the, the terms first, second, and third world um, refers to how the nations were divided um, right around the end of the Cold War era. Okay? Uh, the first world was the United States and, the, and its allies in NATO. Okay? So pretty much all the Western world and I think, I can't remember who else, but mostly the, the Western world. Oh, and Australia. Okay, so that's the first world. Um, the second world was considered Soviet Union and its satellite states and all of its allies. So ma- mostly all the communist world was considered uh, second world. The third world included those countries, particularly in Africa and in South America, um, that were not aligned with either NATO or communist Russia. Okay. Um, and, and that term third world has been replaced since then by what? Anybody know? Developing. developing world, exactly. We don't use third world anymore. We use developing world. It's a more optimistic term, right? And then the term first world problem was actually used as a serious term, um, and it was first used in 1979 to describe the serious housing problems that were characteristic to the first world, right? Okay. The way we use the term today didn't get going until um, the mid-1990s, and analytic search engines um, report a large increase in its use not until, like, 2011, which is probably about the time all the memes started hitting, right? So, uh, but that was long after we stopped using the term third world and started using developing world. So that's why it's an anachronism, okay? But aside from being sort of politically incorrect term, um, if we're not careful, the phrase can be offensive depending on how we use it. For example, if at the end of a tirade on how the barista at Starbucks made my triple grande non-fat caramel macchiato with too much caramel... And then I ended my rant with, I know, first world problem. Um, I signal that I know that this is just a minor frustration of a very fortunate life, right? And for most of us, that wouldn't be offensive, right? But if if I'm not careful, that can become sort of an ostentatious brag that I'm a part of this, that I'm a part of the fortunate few, right? Um... Like, I think about, what if some of my friends from Nicaragua heard me say that, right? Would they be offended? Um, And they might be offended by that because I categorize myself as fortunate, insinuating others are not fortunate, right? When I'm categorizing myself as fortunate, I'm sort of insinuating that others aren't. But it can be offensive in other ways. Like if after listening to you pathetically complain about how your Uber took 10 minutes to arrive, (laughs) I respond with, first world problem. Um, Then I'm sort of aggressively taking a moral high ground, right? And dishonestly portraying myself as someone who only thinks about starving children as problems, right? (laughs) So um, in other words, using it on other people can be a hypocritical way of saying shut up, just to be honest, right? You know, if, we, if we're 
just sort of throw it out there as sort of a, a jab when someone's complaining. We do the same thing, right? And so we're kind of hypocritical in that. Um, we can also find ourselves using it on other people and actually minimizing real problems that they face. Say, for example, that your car breaks down. And I say, well, first world problem because most people in the world don't own a car, right? Well, even though owning a car puts you in like the top 5% of the world's wealth, in North Texas, if your car breaks down, that's a problem, right? You need a car to get around and go to work. So if I'm not careful, I can be insensitive to a real problem, albeit a problem that's only found in the first world. Does that make sense? You guys following me? Okay. Um, and if, and I think, you know, social. I think social media is probably the worst way we can be hypocritical and insensitive. Like if someone on Facebook or Twitter is griping about a problem, and I reply with hashtag first world problems. I am, I am at risk of being the worst offender at being insensitive and hypocritical because I don't even know the context of why they're griping. I don't know what kind of day they're having. I don't know what precipitated that problem. And so let's just not use those hashtags, right? I think it's, it, we can risk, be at risk of offend, being offensive. So for the purpose of this series, I want us to have a working definition for the term first world problems. Because I think if, if we're not being insensitive and we're not being hypocritical or we're not being boastful, it can be sort of a productive way to remind ourselves and even our kids as we're teaching our kids from letting truly trivial matters get the best of us and causing us to cry and complain like spoiled little children. Okay, So here is our working definition for the sake of our series. A first world problem is a trivial problem that consumes us, causing us to lose sight of how blessed we really are. That's going to be our working definition. A a first world problem is a trivial problem that consumes us, causing us to lose sight of how blessed we really are. So... With that as our working definition, I thought we'd be, it would be fun if we just sort of made fun of ourselves, okay, um, at some of the ridiculously trivial things we complain about and, and that cause us to be so blinded about how, on how blessed we truly are. Now, this isn't a time for you to, like, get on your soapbox and talk about your husband or your wife or this group or that group. Um, this is confession time, Okay. Nodding heads, everybody with me? Okay. Um, this is, and this can be fun, okay? Just, let's just have fun making fun of ourselves. Um, but if you can't think of anything, I was telling Johnny and Reichen about this, and they're like, I can't think of anything. Seriously? Johnny was even saying, I can only think of things about Kim. <laughs> so if you're really serious, I mean, and, and I'm, I'm going to get it going, okay? Um, but, you know... Be bold and just share some of the ridiculous things you complain about. Um, the one I was going to share, um, uh, a few days ago we had some people over 
um, for dinner, and I had bought this um, like prime cut of meat, and I wanted I was going to smoke it. I put it in the smoker, <clears throat> and my um, I have this little um, temperature sensor that has two leads. One lead senses the temperature of the smoker, so it always stays at a constant temperature. Then I have another lead that goes into the meat, uh, a meat probe, and it um, it watches the 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 temperature because it has to reach a certain temperature for certain meats like right and if i wanted my meat medium rare it has to get to 130 degrees and then i pull it out but if i want like a brisket well done it has to get up to like 170 so anyway my meat probe thing broke a while back and so i was just trying to watch it and was using my little uh other probe that I, you have to stick in and check from time to time well i totally overcooked the meat i wanted it medium rare and it came out well done and I was so mad. I got ridiculously upset. <laughs> and I almost started complaining. And then I remembered that God was putting this on our, on our hearts for this, this study. And I was like, oh. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I, I totally almost lost sight of how blessed I was to be able to go buy a prime cut of meat to share with our friends. That's true. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, so that's kind of what we're talking about here. Uh, anybody else have one they want to share? Um, I get really mad when I value size a meal and I'm still hungry afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> After you eat a thousand calories and you're still hungry. <laughs> okay, that's good. Anyone else? To a car with that air conditioning. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, yep. driving too slow, but yet you still pull up like, like I use the internet for my other job, and uh-huh. I have to log on and enter between it. Mm-hmm. It like takes seven seconds to pull up instead of three seconds. I get really. <laughs> Isn't that ridiculous? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, sir.
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you had to wait five minutes, right? <laughs> when you forget to add water. share that list you had so uh one of the things we're going to talk about some of the root causes of uh of how we get so ridiculous um but i think one of them is laziness and johnny and we're talking about that so he has a list what's it called this is just the um they they post it out there and ask people what's the laziest thing you've ever done okay (laughs) and and here's where they're uh here's what they admitted to so this one person said i drove to class but the escalators up to the third floor classroom were broken so i went home (laughs) Um, this one is, he uh, attached my dog's leash to my RC monster truck and walked her around the cul-de-sac with it, all from my living room. <laughs> so he walked his dog from the living room with the RC controller. <clears throat> this guy said this, um, that he was laying in bed one morning, and he picked his nose, and he had a booger, but he had nowhere to put it, so he put it back up in his nose. <laughs> That's how lazy he was. <laughs> This guy said he was so lazy, he once tried to skip to the good part of a 33-second YouTube video. <laughs> um, this guy said that, uh, that he once called the restaurant to send the waiter back to his table. So he was sitting in the restaurant, and he called the restaurant to say, could you bring the waiter back? This guy said his TV remote was two feet out of reach, so I downloaded the remote control app instead <laughs> on his phone. Um, <laughs> this guy said he was laying in bed, and he the he wanted to shut the lights off, so he shot ten Nerf darts at his light switch. He missed all of them and just slept with the light on. <laughs> uh, a couple more real quick. This guy said, I ran out of clean bowls for cereal, so he lined his current bowls with foil 
over the old food and made a bowl for cereal. After that, I threw away the foil and did it again the next day. <laughs> um, <laughs> this guy said, I always heat things in the microwave for one minute and 11 seconds or two minute and 22 seconds because I'm too lazy to move my fingers to the zero. <laughs> Um, and this is the best one. It said, um, I used to have one of those clap on, clap, clap off um, devices, but I hated clapping, so I made an audio recording of clapping and mapped it to one of my programmable, programmable keyboard on my computer. <laughs> so you hit it to do the clap. So those are lazy people. So we can be pretty ridiculous, right? Um, and to be honest, that's just our human nature. Right, uh, our sin nature leads us to be selfish, entitled, ungrateful, and justified for being that way. Right? We get sometimes we get so entitled, and we justify ourselves for our entitlement, or we get so selfish, and we think we deserve this, and we so we justify our selfishness, uh, or even our ingratitude. I remember a few weeks ago we were talking about how one of the roles of the Holy Spirit was to lead us to live a life that brings honor and glory to God, right? Um, Well, guess what's leading you when you're not being led by the Holy Spirit? Your flesh. Your sin nature. Your, Your sin nature leads you to be selfish and entitled and ungrateful. And honestly, I think these three things, the selfishness, entitlement, and gratitude, and even laziness, are like the root causes for our definition of a first world problem. Letting a trivial problem consume us, causing us to completely lose sight of how blessed we really are. And just because you know we can attribute these behaviors to our sin nature, our human nature, which which honestly gives people who don't know Jesus, they're the only ones who have an excuse for being that way. For us, as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, we have no excuse to stay that way. And I understand, you know, first becoming a Christian, and, and even if you read 1 Corinthians 3, it ta- he talks about how they had first become Christians, but three years later, they're still acting like people of the world. And, he, and Paul had expected that three years later they ought to be growing to some level of maturity and not be so selfish and, and childish. Um, and so, as followers of Jesus Christ, we have no excuse to stay that way. Listen to what Titus 3, verses 3 through 5 says. <clears throat> it says, Once we, too, were foolish and disobedient. We were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy, and we hated each other. But when God, our Savior, revealed his kindness and love, he saved us. Not because of the righteous things we've done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and a new life through the Holy Spirit. As Christians, we have no excuse to remain selfish and entitled And ungrateful because he's given us new life and a new birth through the Holy Spirit. And we especially have no right to ever justify those behaviors. Because Jesus set us free from that bondage. 
And, you know, we talked about not being offensive to other people um, when it comes to the first world problems, but maybe we should also be concerned about offending God, right? Like, what does God think when we let trivial problems consume us, causing us to lose sight of how blessed we really are? What does God think when we let trivial problems consume us and totally causes us to lose sight of how much he's given us and blessed us with. And I realize that some of you might argue that God cares about all of our problems, no matter how small and no matter how trivial. And while I would agree, I, and while I would agree with you, I think there are limits to that, okay? I mean, seriously, do you think God is really going to be sympathetic to your first world problem the way we defined first world problems? If he has set you free from the bondage of selfishness, entitlement, and ingratitude, but you choose to remain selfish, entitled, and ungrateful, which causes you then to lose sight of how much he has lavished you with so many blessings and only see what you don't have, do you think that blesses God? Do you think we as his children are bringing honor to his name? When we act that way, think of it this way: um, as parent, as parents, let's say you do something nice for your kids, right? Like you take all your kids to Six Flags, or you know, go to Florida and go to Disney World, or you know, whatever. You just do something nice, maybe to a movie, an ice cream afterwards, or whatever. But you do something nice for them. How do you feel when one of your kids, and if you're a parent of more than one kid, I know you've had this happen to you, when one of your kids gripes and complains about what they don't have. Or that what you did for them wasn't quite good enough in some way. Or that comparatively, it wasn't as good as what so-and-so's parents did for them. Right? How does that make you feel? Now, you don't love them any less, right? But they sure aren't honoring you, are they, when they do that? Same holds true with our relationship with God. He doesn't love you any less. And you aren't any less his child. But you aren't bringing honor to him. And we'll talk about the, the root cause of this more uh, in detail next week. Today I simply want to challenge you to start thinking differently. Um, and I want to share um, a scripture and a story, and, uh, and then we'll wrap it up with a couple challenges. Um, the scripture comes from Philippians chapter 4, where God gives us an attitude for life through the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul is writing the Philippians, and he says, um, Philippians 4, beginning with verse 10, How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know that you have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have a chance to help me. Let me just give you a little bit of context about what he's talking about. Paul um, traveled all over Asia uh, and parts of what is um, Italy and uh, parts of parts of Europe. Uh, but he traveled all over in three different missionary journeys to spread the gospel. God gave him that job to go and share the gospel with the Gentiles. And he relied on the churches that he had planted all over 
to sort of donate to his cause, right? Because he, he was relying on their donations to help pay for. And there were times that he's, he had enough, and there were times that he didn't, but it didn't bother him. Um, and that's what he's referring to, that they had an opportunity to give to him, okay? Verse 11, not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. And then he tells us the secret. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. How many of you have heard that last verse? More than, yeah. How many have ever heard it in context with what we just read? Yeah. We hardly ever hear it in context, right? We hear that verse proclaimed all the time, right? That God gives me strength. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. But the context is being content in all things. I was really convicted about this idea of contentment or being content um, with, with whatever I have several years ago on our missions trip to uh, Nicaragua. Um, well, you know, uh, it, was, it was back in 2011. We had, we had a uh, missions trip from the church. Um, we took a bunch of people down to Nicaragua and helped um, Bob Kelly in his ministry. And so we, you know, we fly into Managua. It t- it's like a five-hour bus ride on a really uncomfortable old school bus uh, to get to the rural area that we were headed to. Um, we finally get there. We get settled in our apartment, not apartment, but um, hotel building. And it's, I mean, it's just concrete walls, a couple stories, and it's just nothing but concrete walls, a tiny little bed, no hot water, um, and I'm thinking about all the things that I'm missing <laughs> back home, right? Um, and so each day we went out um, and did lots of things uh, to support Bob and his ministry there. Um, but we also did things for the community, right? We, um, like one day we uh, bought just a truckload of food down at, at some market. And we divided it all up in bags and we walked through the barrio handing food bags to people. And uh, they were just so grateful. Um, and then there were um, another time we put on, we did a lot of different things for the kids in the area. And we did games and had um, ultimate frisbee one night with glow-in-the-dark frisbees. Um, and, and we did all sorts of really fun things. We did um, um, one day, what was that we did that one day with all the kids came? It was kind of a, we kind of tried to duplicate, not our Easter, kind of our Easter egg hunt with all the stuff that we did, all the, all the games and fun stuff. And then we had all these kids come in, and we played all kinds of games with them. And then we had them sit down, and we, um, um, what did we do? You, what did you got up and did with something? What did you do, Reckon? Oh, a skid on Jericho, that's right. Yeah, we uh, we shared the scripture about how Jesus was washing feet, and we actually washed their feet, which was a really awesome moment. Um, and then we, you know, shared a message with them, and then we fed them all, and it was awesome. And we did so many 
cool things and had a huge impact, and it was great. But the thing that stuck out to me the most was as we were walking, even from the hotel to the school where Bob's ministry is at, or, or even in the barrio when we were handing out food, I mean, people were living in plywood shacks with no floor. It was just dirt. And they might, if they were lucky, they had an electrical cord that ran from a pole into their little shack and with one light bulb hanging. Um, they might have had a place where they could cook something on the inside, um, like a little, what do you call those things, hot plate where you can cook something. I mean, they had nothing, but they were happy. They were content. It, it totally floored me that these people had nothing compared to what I had. And they were happier than I was. I was really convicted about this whole idea of being content with what you have. Now, does that mean we should ever feel guilty because we have so much? I don't think so. I don't think Scripture teaches that. You know, just the fact that we live where we live, we're blessed beyond measure. And Scripture says pretty clearly in Acts 17 that God chose the exact time and place where you should live, right? We could have been born in, in Nicaragua or, or Nigeria, right? But we weren't. God chose the exact time and place where everyone should live so that they would have the best chance of hearing about him. That's what Acts 17 tells us. Um, but it's amazing how much we can lose, how spoiled we can get, right? Especially in our culture. And, and think only about what we don't have. But we, no matter what you have, whether you have much or very little, you can be content. Um, when I first met Vicki, she had just come back from a uh, uh, six-month um, missions trip, short-term missions trip through uh, Youth with a Mission, and they had gone to the country of Tonga, which is a little group of islands in the South Pacific, right? So uh, she, had, she had just come back from that, <clears throat> and this is when I first met her didn't, had never met her before, um, and and she was so changed by that trip that for years she would say everybody needs to go on a short-term mission trip. Everybody in our country needs to go on a short-term mission trip, and and I would agree with her and I support her. But to be honest, <laughs> in the back of my mind, uh, I was so entrenched in my comfort that I'd be like, yeah, you're right. Not me though. <laughs> I wasn't really bought in, <laughs> um, but I was like, you go, girl. You get as many as you can, right? Um, but guess what I said for at least a couple of years after our Nicaragua missions trip? Everybody needs to go. You've got to get out of your bubble and your privileged comfort and convenience to really see how much you really have and how blessed you are. I mean, you just have no idea how blind you've become until you get out of the culture that blinds you. Um, and look, just the fact that we have these stupid memes 
That's a problem, right? I think that's a problem of our culture. The fact that we even have these stupid memes, I think, is a problem. And it's indicative of, of our culture. So, let me just give you some challenge, a couple of challenges um, as we wrap up today. The first thing is this. Tap into the strength Christ gives you and be content with everything you have. I mean, that should be doable for every single one of us in this room. And I know it's going to take a shift in your mind. You're going to have to start thinking differently and you're going to have to start being cognizant of how much you have. And you're going to have to really rely on Christ, not your own strength, to sort of think this way and be content. You need to, I mean, I think that should be a prayer this week. Lord Jesus, give me the strength to be content with what I have. And I think even just that prayer will start you to help you to start thinking differently. And so I challenge you to do that. And, and I would even say, pray that prayer every morning, every day, as many times a day as you need to. When you catch yourself complaining about something stupid, pray, God, give me the strength to be content. Okay? That's the first challenge. The second challenge is this. We have a homeless outreach coming up in three weeks. And I want to challenge every single one of you to participate in the homeless outreach. I don't think you have to go out of the country to see how blessed you really are. I mean, when you see how the people on the street live, you're going to see it. And some of you are going to be shocked. Some of you have never seen it before. And you need to. You really need to see how blessed you are. Um, and it'll help you, it'll help the blinders fall off, okay? So participate in that homeless outreach. There's a card in your bulletin. I encourage every one of you to fill that card out and be a part of that outreach. Um, if you have to ask off for work, start asking off now. Um, I, I think it would be awesome if our whole church went down there and just did this huge thing, and then we could come back on, and on Sunday, the next day, where we're going to have the picnic, and we just celebrate and let people share testimonies of, of what God did through them and to them through that outreach. Okay? So, that's it. Um, let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much. We are so incredibly blessed, God. And... Um, We also recognize that we can be ridiculously petty and trivial with the things that we complain about because we get so blinded by blinded to what we have that we only see what we don't have. Lord, I pray that you would help us, your children, be different. Just as, as your word in Romans 12 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the re renewing of your mind. I pray, God, that you would renew our minds in this. That we wouldn't be like the rest of the world in our culture. That we wouldn't be like the rest of the people in our culture who are so blinded to how blessed they are that they, they, all they do is complain in, in each and every day. Lord, let that not be us. Help us by your strength, God. Give us your strength to be content whether we're, 
whether we have much or very little, whether we're having a great day or a bad day, whether we're enjoying all the conveniences of this culture or we're inconvenienced beyond belief. Help us, God, just to be content and grateful for all that you've given us. We thank you for these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen.